Good morning. Good morning. Java Delight will uplift you. Stay tuned. The show is about to begin. Grab your coffee. Stay tuned. This show is about to begin. Good morning, Miss Ilsa. How the heck are you out there in rainy South Africa? It's a rainy, sunny day. Weird as that sounds. The sun is shining outside, but it's raining. So the welcome to the weird wonders of South oh. Africa. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like one of those Christmas songs that we have here. Let it really? snow, let it snow, let it rain, let it rain, let it rain. <laughs> Yes, uh, the wind is a bit blowy and I don't see any thunder clouds. So hopefully we don't have thunderstorm this afternoon. But there's like this little bit of rain that's falling. Uh, not something hectic. Wow, check it out. So far, all of the, all of the good morning uh, comments are from women. Wow, and it is Women Women Crush Wednesday. So all my crushes are Hollywood, Mama, Gotti, Shona, and all the women on our page. Women Crush Wednesday. Hi, Hollywood. Hi, Shona, Mama, Gotti. Good Glad morning. Glad you guys can join us. Wow. So, uh, uh, so what... Uh, I, I do not have an update on Brandon. I did just text him this morning, um, but I haven't gotten anything back. I, I hope he's doing well, but um, I, because I haven't heard anything directly from him yet. Mm -mm, neither have I, and we miss him. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Trying to uh, wish him the best and uh, send him healing energy uh, to try to help him and his mom and dad to uh, overcome. Yeah. Uh, Mommy COVID. Croucher, Daddy Croucher. Yeah. Sending the healing vibes. Yeah, you know, I you never know how uh, how it's going to affect somebody and how the doctors are going to treat it, and I think that that's. Maybe the bigger challenge is how are the doctors actually going to treat it? Different doctors treat it differently. And uh, some of the protocols are good and some of them are not so good or not as good. Let's put it that way. No. So wishing B and, and the Croucher family the best and speedy recovery because we need them back on the show. We do, we do. How how have you been feeling? Have you been tired? How's your sleeping going? Well, the days here in Las Vegas are are numbered, and uh, well, I'm down to about ten days. Ten days to wow. pack up. Ten days to get everything organized. Ten days to try to deal with making my mom and dad feel comfortable um, because they know I may be selling the house uh, this spring, which is already kind of freaking my mom out. Mm. So 
<clears throat> a lot of different a lot of different things going on and at the same time trying to still uh close the deal in South Dakota. Yesterday was in a crazy crazy day because the hotel that I originally wanted to buy yes. that went to auction and was purchased by someone else. Well, yesterday we found out that whole deal fell through, which is what we expected. And then there's new personalities involved out there. It's it's been really really interesting one day it seemed like a month's worth of events were happening so oh wow so you had a hectic day yesterday crazy crazy hectic day just thinking about possibilities and then having those possibilities kind of dashed at the same almost as fast as i could think of them uh there were things coming up saying nope that ain't gonna work this person's not gonna be the right person to to partner with it was crazy. Oh, wow. I love it when the universe just comes up and shakes things up and you think that things are going to work this way and they swap it around and it works a different way. I mean, you guys can still maybe get the hotel. If you have a choice between the hotel and the bar, will you choose the hotel? Hey, Brian. Um, hey, Kevin. Well, at this point in time, no, because the hotel is a much bigger project and the purchase is just the beginning of the expense you know the purchase was like five hundred thousand but it would take a minimum of five hundred thousand to kind of get it more organized and probably closer to a million or a million and a half to really get it to be fully functional so the bar is turnkey. So as soon as we close, we could open it up and start generating money. So that's probably the direction that we're going to go for now. So it's just crazy how, like you said, how the universe does things and, and keeps you on your toes. And, and like I always say is, you know, keep your goal in mind because how you get there, you're not sure. And when you're going forward, sometimes you make a U-turn and got to come back around and figure out, you know, the next way to get past the obstacles or overcome the, the challenges or take advantage of those opportunities. So, yeah, now it's it's really still focused on the uh, the bar and getting to the uh, getting to the end goal, which is. A much bigger vision that I have for the town, but good things are going to be happening. We've got a request from Shauna that says, "Good that the Light family sent positive vibes to my friend's son. He has the flesh-eating bacteria and is in the hospital. This is the same kid that was suicidal. Sorry to hear that, Shauna. We are yeah, sending wow. so much love and vibes." Sorry, yeah, absolutely. sorry, you that's, guys have to go through one. that. That is that is very rough. So we're definitely sending you positive form of vibes and healing vibes. And to anybody yeah, that doesn't wanna wanna ask for healing vibes, you're gonna get it in any case. So much love. Hey Sherry. Sherry Hello, is here. Are you nice Brian to see and... you. Should be uh should be an interesting show today. So let's go on to uh Morning, Brett. Other things. Anything else exciting happening down in South Africa? 
Well, apparently we heard today that um, they're opening the airports again next week. So I don't know. I don't Already? Know, uh, yes, I don't know how true that is. Um, I just heard in the, because I don't watch news, so I just heard in the in the passing by that they might be opening the, 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 the um, flights again next week. Because I can't prove that the, the the variant came from South Africa, so closing the the the, the airports is not gonna <laughs> help them. So I really don't know. That is what I heard. Um, as I said, I'm not too clued up with what's going on. I've seen that there's quite a bit of marches going on because people don't want to take the vaccine um, and the, those kind of things. So I think everywhere uh, tensions are mounting high with the mandates and things like that that the president and the government and everything is bringing in so we'll see what happens i mean nobody can predict the future but right. i think that uh yeah they're like i always say that by the time they figure out or they come up with this you know they found this new variant it's already spread and the chances are that just because they found it somewhere doesn't mean that that originated there they, exactly. you, South Africa just happened to be the first ones to find, to find it, it, identify yes, it. Yes. And the reason for that is, as I said previously, I don't know, um, South Africa is very good with, because AIDS is a, a huge problem in South Africa. Um, uh, the, 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 the DNA testing and the, the, the quality of scientists that we have working on that was the ones that helped us uh, or helped, helped find the new variant so and then they just went off and said it came from south africa which is not true at all so i don't know what we'll i'll keep you guys up to date as i hear things but i don't it sounds like they're opening the the international flights again in a week or two but how true that is is i'm not sure yeah uh wishing wishing south africa the best so that they're no longer isolated from the rest of the world um <laughs> It's not a new thing that's happened so many times. I mean, when uh, in the 80s, I think, South Africa wasn't even allowed to travel to any other countries and play in the World Series rug or, or play Rugby World Cup and, and, and play against New Zealand or all those places because they boycotted because of the um, that was racial... apartheid, right? Yes, because of apartheid and everything. So... We used to being set in the corner because we're naughty. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> new. All South Africans to the naughty corner. So <laughs> we must see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I remember even in the in the let's see, it would have been about nineteen mid nineties. Um, I was on, I had a project where I was managing a, an implementation. One of the guys on my team was a developer, you know, computer coder from South Africa, and his family was still back in South Africa. And um, that was when they were going around and setting fire to things and chopping people with machetes. Oh, that's, a, that's just a Monday. <laughs> that's a Monday. And I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. You will wake up on a Monday morning and you will find out that you can't drive through a certain road because they are doing uh, public service um, um, marches. 
um, or petrol increase marches or what, and they'll shut down a whole street and city. You won't be able to get to work. They will set cars alight, uh, burn down. Uh, they had the, a couple of years ago, they had the no fees for university. And the protest got so out of hand that students couldn't go to university because they burned down the public libraries. They burned down the school libraries burned down classes because um, they wanted no fees for university. They wanted people to go to university for free. So that's like a normal Monday or Tuesday for us. Wow. I mean, that's <laughs> that's intense. Yeah, no, uh, South Africa is not for sissies. It's really, if you go deeper and you start, I mean, a couple of months ago, they had the, 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 um, protest in KwaZulu-Natal, that, that, uh, the area in Durban, that was so violent that they had to send the army out. And that because they locked up the previous president that's got rape cases and things against him. And, 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 and um, um, corruption, they caught them stealing the money and everything. So our politics, you think you guys have problems? You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Wow, you know, it's amazing how such a beautiful country um with the kind of natural resources and and wildlife and everything that is there is just so kind of out of control at times in terms of how things are addressed. I mean, we maybe have, it's we because have... there was so many years of repression. I don't mm -hmm. know, maybe it's because you know, you've it's got, cycles. you know, there, yeah. And, and it's, I mean, it's kind of like, it's not, it's kind of like, and not like here in the U S where you've got, you've got many people that get classified together. So for instance, you classify Latinos here, but Latinos tend to be Mexican, Puerto Rican, Cuban, South American countries, uh, all grouped together, but they're not one voice. They don't all, I mean, they don't even get along a lot of them. And yet we say that they're Latinos. And the Africans are the same. You cannot tell a Sutu he's the same as a Zulu because their cultures are completely different. The way they see the world's completely different. They might have the same pigment, skin pigment, but that is where it stops. That is literally where it stops. It's the same with, 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 with the white people in South Africa. We are all from these English people. Yeah, there's they, everything. Yeah, so um, getting getting classified as that is a big thing. I mean, especially for a country that 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 has had bad, bad racism and, and racial problems since, I mean, years and years and years, hundreds of years. Yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy. I mean, and, and this is, you know, the, the diversity of life and the diversity of cultures and the diversity of thinking is phenomenal. And I think we need to embrace that, but we also need to recognize how that creates um, differences in the way that we look at things and that we don't, uh, we don't prejudge people based on superficial things because we don't know what it is that their true background is. We don't know even, even within, you know, you can take it all the way down to within a family. My sister is religious and goes to church on, you know, Sundays and has her kids going to Sunday school and, 
and all of that kind of stuff. And I'm not religious at all. Um, I believe in universal energy and frequencies and things like that, <clears throat> which she does too, but she's about God and Jesus and all that kind of stuff. And I'm about, that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> the thing is you can be about anything uh, because uh, if, if you start, if you start to think um, and, and look at the bigger picture, there's 8 billion while well, after COVID, maybe 9 billion people on earth um, because, and, and everybody you are born, and then you are given an identity and you are giving a religion and you have to fight your whole life for those things that were given to you. It's not you. It's not your identity. It's, 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 it's when you get, when you get caught up in, 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 in what you, if, if you don't, it, how can I say this? If you don't want to go and look for answers, you are going to be stuck in the same cycle or same mentality as how you were raised because you're not looking at the bigger picture because literally that's all you know is, 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 is what you were taught from your parents until you start thinking for yourself and think maybe it's about how I treat people and not what people look like. Um, and that makes a difference. It's like Ryan says, even within a culture, there are differences. Even within a household, we all have different experiences. Because with me, it's the same. My parents are huge Christians. And even my smoking cigarettes, they tell you you're going to hell. They treat you like shit. They do not care. It's an addiction, whatever. You're not allowed to smoke. Um, and they'll rather treat somebody like shit that smokes cigarettes then live according to their bible and not judge because it's got absolutely nothing to do with what's going on around you but how you are as a person and how you treat people you need to be consistent and you, be, you need to be kind to your fellow man because we're all connected we're all here we've we've all been put here we did, we we asked to come back that's how i believe but you were put in, into a situation to grow out of that situation yeah, you know, it, it, that's why I think that, you know, there some of the things that should probably be taught in school, but it becomes very difficult because you don't know how the teacher is going to present it is is cultural diversity is is religious diversity is is, you know, to teach people to um, evaluate their belief systems. Like I always say, question the BS of your BS question the bullshit in your in your belief system and make sure that it really is yours. Um, like you were saying, as you grow up, you're fed this from the time you're born, literally. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and you grow up thinking this is me. But that's because you haven't ever really questioned it. And oftentimes there's significant stress in your life that you don't even know where it's coming from because what you were brought up to believe and actually how you really are in terms of your your identity are not are not on the same level and you're having this this uh argument going on in your brain and that's creating stress in your life so you know and that carries on into then the the whole uh prejudice and um the grouping together of people based on many different things. I mean, even today, if you're to look at this whole thing with the vaccine and the virus, the news media is trying to divide people. 
<clears throat> and that's they're what trying they go to out to people do. together. Mm. And they're saying, if you don't want the vaccine, those are all anti-vaxxers and anti-vaxxers are bad. And well, first of all, just because you don't want the vaccine doesn't necessarily mean that you're an anti-vaxxer. You may agree with there vaccines is. in other areas. I follow a number of immunologists and virologists that were instrumental in creating vaccines that are currently, you know, used in oh, other yeah, areas. Those kind of things but they're too. saying this is the wrong time, the wrong vaccine, the wrong way of addressing this. And they've been in the world of creating vaccines prior to this. So when they when we start grouping people together like that, when we start generalizing, that's when you really start creating massive challenges. Get back to where you get a chance to meet people one-on-one. And when you do that, you find out that there's so much more in common than difference that you can find that there's, if you're looking for ways that you can come together, you'll find them. If you're looking for ways to differentiate or divide, you'll find them too. Exactly. So you find what you look for. To focus. It's where you focus and everything. And the question that I like to ask people is, who were you before they told you who you were? I mean, if you can sit and you sit in the darkness and you can think of that, who am I outside of my religion? Who am I out of my belief systems? Who am I outside of my of, 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 of the rituals and, and, and those kind of things that I've learned from my parents? What kind of person am I? You're either going to be a person that, that, that always does good for yourself first and foremost and make decisions for yourself to, to, to heal yourself and keep yourself healthy mentally. And then you start doing it for the next person. And you need to vibrate or, or, or show people what love is. It doesn't matter what religion you are. Because if you take religion out of school, it's maybe a good thing and you only teach them love only teach them how to love someone that doesn't look like you or how to treat someone that doesn't have the same opinion like you, that should be a class, how to sort out, how to communicate and how to, 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 how can I say, um, get used to people from different cultures and thinking that you are right and they were wrong because who told you you were right? Your parents told you and who told them they were right. Their parents told them and that's how it goes. But you don't know in what mental state those people were when they thought of those teachings or thought of those quotes and everything or thought of the the, the divide that they wanted between the people. Yeah, and just as I'm, you know, bringing up the comments from our mm. our followers today, you can see, you know, there's there's differences of opinion, but then there's also ways that we're looking at how it is that we can be together. Um, you know, even, you know, we've got Uncle Bob who's on here every Friday and and Bob goes around and, and you know, he preaches the Bible. He doesn't preach the preach religion. Yes. And he's he doesn't take everything uh, literally and he doesn't believe certain aspects of the Bible because it, it creates some of the, the division um, within, within the belief that actually takes away from the value of the belief. And, and those are critical things um, to be aware of and to recognize that oftentimes when you're, you're in church 
or you're being taught the Bible, you're being taught an interpretation, somebody's interpretation of the Bible. And, 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 and you said it there, somebody's interpretation, because that was a human being that wrote that. So you don't know in what situation that human being was because the, 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 the text over the years and over all the Bibles and how it's been translated, it's all been lost. So the one thing that I teach my kids, I don't teach them about religion, but I teach them that there's a higher power, a source. You can call it whatever you want. And how I teach them to treat people with respect is because we all have God inside you. The answers are in you. It's how you treat people. So if you speak to another human, you need to know that you are connected to source, which means they are connected to source, which means if you talk to them, you are literally talking to God. So you need to treat them with respect because if God was standing next to someone, would you be gossiping about them like that? No, you wouldn't. Now suddenly you want to treat them with respect. Um, but 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 when you think it's not necessary, you don't have to. And you have to live in that purpose every time. And it's difficult. People test you. It's difficult. We're all human. We're all human, but it's how you grow and how you teach yourself to, to help to, to, to help your next fellow man and to help them grow and to help them and to help them see love for themselves and for humans on earth because nobody is more superior than anybody, anybody on this earth. And we all deserve equal rights and equal opportunity. Doesn't matter what your skin color or your religion or anything is. Well, you know, and, and this, you know, it's interesting what Shauna says here because that's, um, that is exactly how I how feel my about dad it as well. Talked about religion. My my family, my my father's side of the family is Jewish. They're not real strict Jewish. Um, and and just to give you an idea of how you know variable things can be, like on his side of the family, they weren't really strict. And and what they would do on Christmas time is they wanted. So my mom is Protestant. My, they wanted my mom to make ham for for the the holidays because they would eat the ham if it was prepared outside of their house. But you know, ham and pork is is against the the strict Jewish beliefs. So I think that you know, in that case, it's to me, it's a healthier way of looking at things. It's like, okay, I get this you know, I'll uphold parts of this. And this is how everybody, and I'm including myself and everybody else in the world, you're picking and choosing what you're actually going to follow out of this. You have choice. Um, you have free will. That's the one thing that the Bible says. You have free will to choose your surroundings, to, to choose who you hang out with, to choose what you spend your time on. That's the one thing that Source gave you, is gave you free well and if you can go back to what brian uh, what brian says he agreed you can be religious about your workouts how you get dressed and how you go throughout your day but your relationship with god is yours and if you don't have that good relationship with god and with yourself you're not going to have good relationships with people because it all comes down to respect do you respect their cultures do you respect each other because it's a mutual respect you can't respect and not be respected yeah. And, and even, you know, I see where, you know, Mama Gadi is, is, you know, saying that if you go back and you look at 
the original Bible and in Hebrew and things along those lines. The question is still, you don't know exactly who wrote it and how they wrote it. And what they did is they were writing it years or decades or more after the events supposedly occurred. So there's an interpretation, even in the original writings of what happened. And, in you know, you take it from this perspective. If, uh, if you take a twins, you know, are as close to being genetically the same as possible and say they were raised the same, but each time an event occurred and they, they saw a pen, one of them saw it from this side, the other one saw it from this side. Exactly. So their interpretation of what the pen looks like is different. And what the pen means. You have the clip for the pen. On this side, you don't see that. So your interpretation is different. And that's the kind of thing that we have to be aware of, that perspective, literally perspective, from being just that far apart can make a world of difference in terms of what you see. Did you see the person behind the car? No, the car was in the way. I could see it. You couldn't. All of a sudden, the world is different. And that difference gets into your brain. And those differences in perspective changes the way that you look at things in the future as well, how you perceive them to be in the future. And and that's, I mean, that's a real cool thing. But at the same time, it can create, you know, major differences in how people interpret events and how they interpret events is how they filter them through their belief systems or create new belief systems. So all of those things are really amazing. And, you know, what's, what's interesting. uh, I think that um, I just saw here, we've got a comment from our guest that's going to be coming on later in the show and he's going to be talking in, you know, in terms of, I, I, you know, the effects of isolation and finding power and connection. And I think that, you know, these types of things um, can drive you in a particular direction. Some people get driven into uh, being, you know, very gregarious, very much outside and talking to people. And when they get isolated, it really freaks them out. Mm-hmm. Other people are driven inward and they kind of close the door as much as possible so that they could process things and be alone. Those, those are two different ways of possibly reacting to the a very same event, but looked at from different perspectives. And, and we need to, we need to get back to, like I was saying before, you know, talk to the person one-on-one and find out where those commonalities are and a lot of those things that you think are so different really aren't. Um, you, you take a look at um, Islam and Buddhism and, and even Hinduism and Christianity and Judaism. And there's very much very common storylines throughout their, their beliefs, throughout... So it- if, if you guys, sorry for interrupting you. Um, yeah. I like what Brian said. On, on TikTok, there's a, 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 um, 
a guy, um, he calls himself the friendly Satanist, but he's not a Satanist. It's just his TikTok name. And he's extremely, extremely clever in, in, in the Bible and, 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 and the teachings. And, and, and he does his, his PhD on that and everything. And he actually had a conversation. He lets people come on the live and talk to him because a lot of people in South Africa take him out and, 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 and bashes his beliefs and everything. And, and, and the comebacks that he have explaining to them where the Bible comes from. And, and, and the truth about the Bible, because he, he studied that, is so interesting. So if you guys want to, you need to go check the, uh, it will, it will, it opens your mind to that it's not about the Bible, because again, the Bible says, do not worry you about things on the outside the outside world, because once you close your eyes, absolutely nothing except your knowledge and your memories and the legacy that you leave behind on how you treated people are the things that leaves behind, not your money, not your reputation, because in 20, 30 years, nobody's going to know anything about you. Nobody's going to know. So it's all about how you align. If Are you enlightened? Have you seek God or have you found God inside and and lived in his truth and showed how he loves you and you love your fellow men man the same and that is the main focus of the Bible is preaching love because everywhere in the Bible it preaches love it doesn't preach racism it doesn't preach hate it that is what the Bible is for is getting you back to that love, love for yourself and love for God and love for your fellow men, because nothing, not even your religious beliefs goes with you to, the, to when you die. And that's how I see it. It, it, it. That's why it doesn't matter who you pray to, as long as it comes from a place of love, because how can somebody that is uh, that was born in Buddhism be condemned to hell because they're not praying to the Christian God? You can't say it like that. You you can't condemn a person that was born into that life because it's the wrong religion uh, according to 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 Christians of today. And I'm not saying everybody because again, as Brian said, it's what you your relationship with God. So that is their relationship to their God because it's all internal. It's got nothing to do with the outside world. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, and and you know this all comes back to you know, a lot of what's going on in the world today, whether it be the way that um, differences are handled in South Africa, as you had mentioned before, is there's a lot of violence in the way that that happens. And we've experienced some of that kind of violence here in the U.S. recently with these differences of opinion and differences of, of that are, are based upon some kind of a superficial um, observation as opposed to an in-depth understanding of the individuals involved and the perspectives, you know, it's like when you have people that say, you know, are watching like the OJ Simpson trial. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but OJ Simpson was a sports figure who supposedly killed his girlfriend and, and all this stuff. And, and there's those that said he did it. And there's those that said he didn't. None of us, were there in the courtroom hearing the details. None of us were there to actually see and observe the event. So everything that we are doing is interpretations of what others saw and then communicated as their perception. gospel of what happened. That's where, you know, interpretations of interpretations of interpretations creates 
you know, it's kind of like that. Uh, there used to be some kind of like a game called telephone where you would have people <laughs> around a circle and somebody would start it off. And Whisper. by the time it got around, was it the same story or not? And it all depended on how, you know, some people played the game seriously. Other people interjected things because they thought it was going to be fun to interject something. And it, that's how life is. That's how life is. And that's why we need to be open and not take things so seriously about what we heard because we only, what we hear is only part of what happened. And it is filtered through whoever told whoever told whoever and then it comes to our filters and we have our own filters. We have to have filters. That's what kind of the religion and, and beliefs and all that stuff is, is really filters because there's so much stimulus coming into us on a, on a minute by minute basis, literally. I mean, you don't sit there. I mean, I know that you're there and you're saying it's so humid. What? I'm dying and the wind's blowing. I can't open the door. <laughs> but, you know, you, you're, you're sitting there and you're experiencing these things and you're hearing the rain on the roof and you're seeing the wind outside as it's blowing leaves and all this stuff is going on. But most of the time you don't even know it because you're not focused on it. But it's happening. And guess what? Your ears are still hearing it. Your eyes are probably still seeing it but you're not actually registering it because you've got filters and things and you're focused on something else. And that's, that's part of, you know, what we really need to be aware of and be conscious of in how we interpret everything that happens around us, the things that we hear and even inside us, how we interpret things. So really, really, interesting and and we're not really trying to get into the differences mm, of no. religions that, and things like that what we're trying to do is bring up that there are many many ways to interpret everything that happens in life and therefore the reason you should not judge because you do not know what another man was given in his life the 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 the, 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 the lessons he was given the, the situations that they were given everybody has a story everybody there's so many people that have been affected generations and generations and generations with sexual abuse and generations and generations with verbal abuse and physical abuse so you don't always know where it come from my main reason why i do not mix with christians yeah and i'm gonna say it is because the people that that they took me to 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 sunday school and they took me to they were the persons that that hurt me the most in my life and still does um and and they read their bible every night and 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 and, and that is what puts a lot of people off religion um and 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 as mama gotti said yeah i mean we all have an opinion but nobody nobody's forcing anybody's beliefs or opinion on them and that's why this is such an amazing platform to talk about these things because somewhere out there there's someone that has no religion no religion and and, and has never heard the word of god and, and 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 they might hear something here today and think you know what maybe i must go re read the bible because god works in mysterious ways yeah yeah, and, and I think that that's, you know, there's there's been 
you know, I mean, just look at the Catholic religion and how the religion itself was being used by the, the leaders of the religion to manipulate kids and, and things along those lines. And, and, and then it's hidden because they don't want it to come out that there's these things going on within the monasteries and the, 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 you know, those, the leadership. So, you know, that, that's where, like you said, it's interesting because we're all going to make some level of generalization or some level of um, prejudice to begin with. The quite, the thing that we have to recognize is that it happens. And then we need to say, Oh, I think that, why do I think that? And is it really true? And sit back before we start reacting and, and, and responding in ways we need to have that active communication within our own self to say, Hey, let me put a check on this. Let me open up. Let me look a little deeper. Let me think about this. Cause maybe I didn't know that the guy who just gave me the finger had an extremely terrible thing that happened in his life today. And it's not the person that is bad. He had a bad action or a bad response that doesn't make him a bad person. And oftentimes we, we do that same thing to ourselves. And this is where we really get into challenge. We say, I'm a loser. No, you're not. You did something that maybe didn't give you the outcome you expected. That's an act and an event and an interpretation. It is not that I am a loser. Okay, I didn't achieve what I wanted to with this action. That doesn't make you a loser. That just means that something didn't go the way that you thought. And, and when we generalize and start saying those things like, I can never do this or I always do this, that's bullshit because it's almost... The words like never and always and stuff are, are just too general to to believe in and you have to open it up i like what brian says here there have been amazonian tribes and i don't think a lot of people think about all the tribes and all the people around the world and what they've been born into he says there have been amazonian tribes isolated from the world that missionaries have visited for the first time and they hold the same ideals as christianity god is inside us and, and that is yeah, and, and that's where that's where I say there's so much commonality when you get behind get out of classifying it or generalizing it under a particular title or or belief. Um, we all in in general would like to have a better environment to live in. Now we we say, yeah, we want the trees, we want, you know, the animals, we want all this. And yet, at the same time, we say we want our own houses, which consume the trees and take away from the animal space and all that kind of stuff. So there's, there's, uh, there's priorities, and each one of us have our own priorities. And those priorities make a huge difference on when we all say, yeah, I want to have clean air to breathe. Okay, I want to have clean air to breathe, but I also want to have a car that I can drive around whenever I want to. Well, there's there's a Got bit of a, <laughs> yeah, 
so so we that is based on our priorities you know why are some people buying electric cars and others are still saying no i'm buying uh you know a gasoline powered car it's because of their priorities and how they're perceiving their actions and And oftentimes you make those actions on on information that is not complete so a lot of people think, oh, I got an electric car. I am, I'm not polluting at all. Bullshit. The, the cost of creating those cars, the, the recycling those cars, and the energy necessary in order to power those cars all create pollution. Um, so the, the carbon footprint of electric cars is not oh, as great a difference really? as a lot of people believe. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. But how about, how about is it is it less than a normal car or is it almost the well, same that it doesn't it, really it, matter? It's been, it, I'm not sure 100% that there's been a real serious end-to-end look at it in terms of the carbon footprint required and the damage that you have to do to the environment in order to get the rare earth elements and the lithium and things like that for the batteries and how that's creating pollution as well as destroying the earth and destroying the environment. But, you know, there's, there's been some studies that show that, you know, an electric car all in maybe 25% less impactful on the environment but it's if you go beyond that, if you start saying it's fifty percent, that's baloney. It's not. It's 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 not true. Um, but you know, twenty five percent or twenty percent or even ten percent is still better than not. But you don't. You you need to really understand what's going on behind it. And it's it normally the numbers that you get, just like for the vaccine, the numbers that you get tend to be. The numbers that were analyzed by the companies that have their vested interest in selling you the product. So, are, are is what you're hearing the the real truth? That's that's always the case. How do you know what is the truth? How do you know what is the real truth? Because you can even get fake news on the internet, and you think it's true, and then eventually you find out. Oh, like like say for instance, this death hoax. Um, that th- th- they had uh, in a, at the stage through Facebook, you got all these death hoaxes of of celebrities dying, and then everybody goes like, "Oh, he's dead, he's dead." But if you go and Google the guys, so alive, it's not even funny. So how do you, how do you know? How do you discern between what is real and what is not? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, if if the numbers that Brian is showing here, it would take you know r- roughly driving an electric vehicle. 150,000 miles before you kind of break even in terms of carbon footprint. Most people never drive their car to be 150,000 miles. Most people buy another car or get another car before that happens. So you really need to, uh, well. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's another, that's a whole conversation for a whole other episode. Because if we start on Epstein now, it's gonna yeah. take so long. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. I'm with you there. I'm also like, no, that's a bit dodgy. That's too convenient. 
Yeah, yeah, there's, you know, and again, this is all about what we see, what we hear, which are interpretations of why weren't the cameras on? Were the cameras on, but somebody's, you know, wiped out the tape. We don't, here's somebody who is supposed to be watched 100% with cameras and everything, and yet we still don't know the story. Why? Because there's things around that are, are interpreting or causing us to see only a certain aspect of what was happening. And we have to be very aware of that. That's how, that's how governments um, do things to control people. That's how, that's how they put the fear raise. in people. Yes. Um, it's, it's really, really interesting that and, and this is what I appreciate about our community here. I think that, you know, just through what we've been, you know, showing up on the screen in terms of people's interpretations, people's perspectives, that that we have a, an audience that's willing to think for themselves and willing to open up. And that's really about how do we create a better life for ourselves? How do we overcome some of the challenges that we have? You know, the whole concept of delight being here for people that you know are are open to new things and that are trying to address things it's all about opening up it's all about being able to be confident enough in yourself to question yourself to question your beliefs and to share in in a loving way what people don't understand is you have no responsibility over the next person. I don't even have a claim on anybody's soul, not my kids, not my parents, nobody, not even someone that I'm in a relationship. Do I have a claim on their life? Because if you are responsible for your life, then you make decisions because you're the one that is going to, at the end of the day, be responsible for the decisions that you've made. Nobody else. Nobody else. I think that's why they also say there's three sides to a story. There's always your side, my side, and the truth. Because you don't always know why someone did something from their side. Because you do not know the history and you do not know that. So it makes it difficult. It's difficult to be like Sweden, just neutral to everything. Because <laughs> that's <laughs> well, how you're supposed to be. You need to be neutral to anything. You do not need to react to anything that anybody says. You don't always need to give a reaction because you have no idea where that person comes from, from their opinion or what they were taught. So how do we know who's wrong or right? Yeah, and 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 that's it. And, you know, there's oftentimes that we react. And we don't even know why we reacted that way. And, and this is, this is a, you know, going back to our senses and how much we bring in, but we're unconscious of it. You know, there, sometimes our reaction to something is because we heard a noise, we heard a song, we heard a voice that sounded like something in our past, which triggered a memory that then caused us to respond or react a certain way, but we didn't consciously really think about it. It happened because of a stimulus that we didn't even maybe consciously recognize. The same thing goes with smell. You know, you could walk through someplace and all of a sudden you get these, these, you start remembering things and you're like, wow, I haven't thought of that for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Why was it? Because there was a smell 
that was associated with something 30 years ago in your life that you hadn't thought about, but that smell triggered your brain to bring that memory back into in front of your eyes. And, and it's craziness, but it, this is how the brain works. And this is why it's so important that we think about these things before we react or if we do react to think about why did I just do it that way? Why did I respond the way that I did? Because that's not me. Well, actually it is you. It's your brain responding to certain things that you just didn't consciously know about. And, you know, we can follow some of those things down paths. You know, we start to follow our reactions, our responses, and we follow it down a path. And then we get so far down the path, we forgot why it is we actually got to where we are. And then sometimes we have to backtrack. And I think that that may be part of the story that we may hear with our guest today. You know, Let's you start going down a particular path and you're okay. So I don't know how many people out there have been a part of a multi-level marketing company. But if you go to multi-level marketing company, and I've been a part of a lot of them, and I, I'm, that's not my personality. Now I know that after spending thousands and thousands of dollars doing these things. But the thing about that is they create kind of a community. They create these meetings that you go to on a weekly basis. They create this thing where you start to believe that everybody is a, you know, believes this way, believes that this, you know, whatever the multi-level marketing thing is, that it, it, it is the thing and everybody believes it. No, it's only within that community that it, that, that belief occurs. And until you break away and recognize, oh, that is what they're trying to indoctrinate us with. And it may not be indoctrinate with a bad connotation, but they're trying to educate in a particular way that supports the product or service or whatever it is that they're selling. It's kind of like church, <laughs> very much like church. Um, and if you go to church every Sunday, that you think that everybody should believe the way that your congregation does. But that's not true. You get outside the congregation and be in the same religion, the same type, you go to a different church and it's a different type of a feel oftentimes. So um, this is just the way that, that we are in the way that we interpret the world around us. And if we surround ourselves with people that are thinking similarly, or we start to think along their lines, then oftentimes we believe that this is the way or this is the way the world is, when in fact it's not. It's just in the way of the people that we are associating with at the time that we start to feel that the world is the way that it should be. And like I said before, you can shit all over yourself, but I don't, I, I don't like to live in my shoulds. <laughs> nah, neither do I, neither do I. I get Mama Gotti here because I've been triggered lately a lot by a lot of things. And even um, 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 
doing this interview and, and, and having my past that I had and, and all that this morning, I was thinking about um, the effect that, 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 that uh, topic and all that had in my life and in my relationships and in my marriage and, 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 and all those kind of things. And that kind of triggered me to be very, very nervous, if I can say that, but not nervous, going and saying, um, seeing where I've come from, from, from when I decided to get divorced and, 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 and dealing with that and how that was dealt with in my relationship and anything. There's so many things that, that, that trigger us. The best is just to go inwards and see why does it trigger you? What is the lesson that, 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 that you have to learn from that to not get triggered by these things and react like that and just flow. But sometimes you need to say something and that is why you get triggered. Because sometimes we are the voice to teach other people's lessons and other people's lessons as well. Right. So with that, I think it's actually this whole conversation that we're having today is actually kind of a good lead in to our guest and a topic that many people will consider to be um, taboo that will continue to be, um, I think, controversial. But that's good because we need to be open and understand that there are different things in different people's lives that we haven't ever experienced and we don't even know exists. And yet there are groups of people that have these similar type things that we don't know about. I, I was first exposed um, to, you know, many different uh, beliefs and thinking that I, I had never heard of it before. You know, every day we hear that. So I think that that's part of what we're going to learn more about today. Did you want to read the bio? I did, I did. And then I'll read the bio. You play the ad because I need a break for a minute. Okay. <laughs> I drank too much coffee. <laughs> and then while the ad's playing, I'll just run and then, then I'll be back in time. Okay, so we are interviewing. Today is a very, very interesting um, interview. Um, today we'll be interviewing our special guest, Bill Ranshaw. He is a recovered porn and sex addict, 36 and 25 years respectively. I've stopped porn and masturbation on March 21st, 2017. Shortly after, I became addicted to opio op opioids and cocaine. I never had substance addictions before in my life. I became dedicated to stop the cycle once and for all. It was when I developed the system for remaining porn free for life. Since I stopped porn, my life transformed. I won three Emmy Awards, produced an Emmy Award winning documentary short film, became financially independent and most of all I find the, found the love of my life and now I'm engaged. Today I coach men the seven disciplines I use to quit porn for life and achieve ultimate potential success in their life. I'm very excited about this and I hope we can reach the right people with this message and this interview. Yep. Looking forward to it. I think it's going to be enlightening and uh, hopefully I press the right button here in order to start this, the show that uh, the, the introduction, <laughs> well, the, the, sponsor. I'm ready to write. Just press the button. Press. Okay. You ready? I'm going to hold off until you, until no, too late no that minute is enough for me. Just play. <laughs> okay, Just okay, play okay. Pretty face on, please. All right. Oh, wrong one. <laughs> My name is Brandon, and over the past year, the Delay Cafe team and I have traveled across the U.S. researching this rapidly growing industry of CBD products. What we have found throughout the industry were products that were inconsistent in dosage 
and used ingredients that weren't even lab tested. Products with chalky textures, bitter aftertaste, and worst of all, confusion among the CBD consumers. That's why we created Delight Cafe. A 15 milligram lab tested, all natural, water soluble hemp CBD powder pack. It's odorless, colorless, and tasteless. Add it to your favorite drink of choice wherever, whenever, on the go. Quickly find your calm, your balance, and your delight when you need it most. We're, well, we're back. And we are going to introduce our guest today, Bill Ranshaw. Good morning, Bill. <laughs> Good morning to the both of you. What an exciting show. I'm so glad to be a part of this. It's been very uh, uh, intriguing and interesting to watch the comments and hear you hear you chat. I love this platform and, and the uh, conversation that everybody's kind of having on the side. So um, I'm humbled to be here and hope I can provide some value to everybody listening and watching and uh, ready to share my story. I think, uh, as we all know, this is live and around, uh, around my house, there's dogs, there's a uh, my fiance is running around, so who knows what might pop up in the background around here. So okay. it'll be, uh, uh, same with it. us. Same with us. I've got people coming in, and we've got big dogs. This is a doggo friendly, so wherever your dog comes in, you can just pop his head, so everybody can go, "Ooh, I just love on him, please." <laughs> <laughs> thank so, you so. Thank you so. Sorry, Brett. No, thank go you ahead. so much. Thank you so much for joining us. I think this is not a topic that gets talked about often because not a lot of people will admit that they have a problem with that. And from there comes my first question. How do you know that you are just watching porn for watching porn? Or how do you know that you're an addict and you have a problem? Yeah, God, that's such a great question because for years, I never considered myself a porn addict. I would, you know, I considered myself just like, every other, you know, you know, human being. Um, it wasn't like some of the guys I coach where, you know, it can be, you know, multiple times a day, multiple hours a day. I was a casual porn watcher, you know, a couple times a week, maybe once every other day. And never, never once considered myself a porn addict. Um, it, it was much later in life. I mean, we're going to dive into this really quick. Um, I usually tell people, like, if you, if you are, struggling in areas of your life and if you've done everything if you've done all the personal development self-help you've read all the books you've watched all the videos but yet you still aren't connecting in such a way that isn't making sense that's when you start looking at all the things in your life that could be having adverse you know effects and for me it was years of struggle in 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 <clears throat> disconnect numbness um, most people probably wouldn't have seen it on the outside I was you know uh, I, I was probably considered charming and you know i found a way into sales and i had a pretty decent life what most people think but i was numb and and probably underlying de depression and it was a friend of mine probably around 2014 2015 uh, who saw me like trying and failing at many multiple things and, and not really succeeding and he just said do you do you happen to watch porn i said yeah yeah fuck yeah i do <laughs> as much as as much as the next guy and uh, he said, well, you know, maybe maybe just consider that that's, that could be a problem in your life and causing these problems. I said, uh, Julie noted, thank you, but no, yeah, I'm, I'm just fine with my porn. And uh, But that's all I needed was that little bit of seed from him. 
to every time I was feeling disempowered, or I wasn't succeeding, and I was feeling lack of self-confidence, self, whatever it was, I just started thinking, could it be the porn? Could it be it? And realized at that point in time, I started doing a lot of research around it and all, all the effects that it has on your brain and your entire, your entire being of who you are. And that's when I, I realized I need to do something about this and, and, and get rid of it out of my life. And, you know, addictions, porn isn't officially considered an addiction in what they call the DSM-5, which is a, a book from scholars and psychologists that label addictions. And there's some political reasons around why they don't want to list porn as an addiction. Um, but, you know, if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck. And the challenge in what you look at as addiction is if you're doing something in your life and then you realize that it's bad for you and you still can't stop it, that's when I start labeling it as an addiction. But I also tell people, because most people are in the same boat as I was, like they don't consider themselves an addict. So uh, I used to call myself a porn addiction recovery coach, coach and everybody would tune me out. Well, I'm not addicted. You know, I have a good, healthy relationship with porn. Um, it, it's until you realize even the casualest of users, the effect that it's having on your life. And... I used to be in the school of thought that, like anything else, you know, in moderation is fine. I hear that all the time. Porn is healthy. And when I first began this journey, I would think that. I would say, you know, I was an addict, but for other people, it's fine. I have since come to the realization that, you know, porn is healthy in your life until one day it's not. And there will be a breaking point at some point in your life when you realize it. Uh, I've typically find that I find men that are finding me and women. I, I'll specifically talk about men. That's what I work with, but this affects both genders or both sexes. And, um, they find me when they start hitting their thirties, because as we grow up, it's just part of our life. We grow up thinking, yeah, this is a normal thing. You know, I started watching, you know, the magazine, you know, looking at magazines, um, you know, the internet was just coming around. My dad had the big giant satellite dish in the back of the yard that would turn. And, you know, he had, you know, he, I think he bought that because he wanted to watch porn. He said to buy, you know, watch all of his sports. But, you know, at the time when, when you had one of those satellite dishes, if you turn to channel three, it's on every TV in the house. And so okay. you would go, he was downstairs and I could turn to channel three upstairs and he was watching porn. And so, it was just one of those one of those things, and I had early access to it. And again, it's just one of those things that you do. You grow up, and it becomes so indoctrinated. Uh, you know, speaking of those terms you mentioned earlier, into our soul and who our being of who we are, we don't realize the hold that it's having on us. And unlike other drugs, where people find later in life, whether it be alcohol, marijuana, or anything else, uh, porn is a sneaky little little thing because. It's free, for one, nowadays, and the, the intensity and everything about accessibility is incredible. And people are, and kids are now finding it at such early ages, you know, four, five, six years old, where before in, our, in my youth, it was maybe around 10, 11, or 12. And I often tell parents that I speak to just to be mindful because uh, I say, you know, your kids are no longer finding porn. Porn is finding your kids. In, in, in multiple facets. Um, but, you know, to kind of bring it back to your question about knowing that you're an addict <laughs> is it, it was really that point where 
I was numb to the life and I created the association that that porn was actually the cause of everything bad in my life. Whether that was true or not, you know, I, I suspect that it is. I, we can talk about that. But it was just that powerful association that I put to it that allowed me to stop. And after I stopped, that's when I started noticing the minute little increments of positive change in my life. And it's not just an overnight thing. Uh, you really have to pay attention. Sometimes it gets worse than it gets better just because the way our, our brain has been trained uh, in, in so many different facets of, of, of numbing. It's a numbing numbing device for it. So um, that's a long-winded answer to your question, but hopefully that gives a little bit of uh, uh, insight. Well, I think it's, it's interesting great. because oftentimes, and this kind of goes back into the discussion even, you know, before you came on, is that that oftentimes in religions especially certain religions sex is is considered sinful or considered taboo and taboo is oftentimes attractive to people you know okay why is it that I shouldn't do this. Why is it that I shouldn't do that? Or, or what is it that they're telling me I shouldn't do? So now I'm going to go seek it out and find out what it is. And then you're like, oh, I'm doing something that I'm not supposed to do, which is always kind of an exciting thing for, for, for people. You know, it gets your adrenaline rushing. And that adrenaline feeling is something that is also addictive. How you satisfy that adrenaline or need for adrenaline or need for feeling different or feeling significant or feeling, you know, it, that's oftentimes how we go down paths. It's not just porn. It's, it's, you know, bike riding. It is running marathons. I mean, you get a runner's high and they continue to do that. And, and, and so there's many different ways to satisfy the basic need, but, uh, you know, it can take you down paths that eventually put you into, um, you know, whether it be porn or drugs or, or other things to satisfy kind of that feeling. It, you're right on the money with that. And <clears throat> the, the crazy thing about porn is when when we find it as as young people, it and I, I talk about this also is that porn isn't really the problem. It's porn became a coping mechanism and escape for many different reasons, either a numbness, uh, it helps you deal with anxiety. There's certain many things. And as, as children, where it's so powerful and to be mindful of is in our teen years, and I'll get scientific on it, is that's, those are the years where our limbic system of our brain is really forming. And that's where we start in our brain, understanding the baselines uh, and dealing with fear, anxiety, stress, even joy, happiness, all those type of things. That's why when we're teens, we're very emotional and everything's like it's either the end of the world or it's the greatest thing because <clears throat> our brain's trying to figure out how to deal with all these type of things. Well, during those years, those formidable years, we're also watching porn and porn itself, just like another drug, chemically really spikes certain points in your brain, typically dopamine on the motivation side. And <clears throat> you start leaking associating dopamine spikes with dealing with certain anxieties and stresses or even pleasures and feel goods in your life that they just become linked as one 
So it automatically becomes tied to many triggers in your life. And it's really talked about, and, and I think I, uh, Mama Gotti was talking about triggers earlier, is I work in, in my program helping men really understand the triggers because porn is ultimately, it's, it's the behavior, the negative behavioral response to some other type of trigger that started early on, either throughout the day, the day before them. That leads you up to that ultimate level of compulsion that you have to take care of. And understanding the triggers and ultimately when you can understand them, identify them and, and deal with those feelings and emotions and, and, and thoughts and create a, a positive, empowering uh, behavior rather than the negative compulsion behavior, you can start changing those links out and create an empowered life. And when we're talking about, it's interesting when you're talking about religion, I think Brian mentioned, you know, we can be, you know, have a religion to anything of, you know, it, it could be working out, it could be work, it could be all kinds of things. Those, you know, work, work can be an addiction. Um, but it really is coming down to, I tell people, find, find an empowered way of being. And that's mm -hmm. always the litmus test for what you're thinking and how, you, how you're showing up. If you're showing up feeling stressed, lack of self-confidence, not self-worthy, depressed, just know that there is an alternative way of being at that particular point in time that you could be showing up. And so start making choices and decisions that leave you in an empowered state of being rather than a depressed, negative, um, self-loathing uh, state of being. Uh, I just love how you say that. Um Mama Gotti has got, she said, I think porn gives boy and boys and men unrealistic concept, concept on how to treat women. And this actually comes from, uh, 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 links to my second question, which is how did, uh, how did the porn addiction affect your romantic relationships or the, the, the romantic relationships that you were in? Oh, it, it destroyed it, made it non-existent. And that, that's a great point that she makes. And it's probably the number one point that a lot of people talk about. And in my life, I don't talk a whole lot about my journey of, of porn leading to sex addiction. But when I grew up, I was a very shy, introverted kid. And I had porn I could go to. I had it. I could find it. Uh, and if I was in high school, I was the guy that I would have married the first girl that talked to me. I had a crush on any girl that looked at me. I was that guy. And when I got to college, I started working out and getting a little bit of self-confidence. And then it was around that time the Internet came out. And man, the the floodgates opened with that. And so the internet was a brand new way to meet people. And I was able to develop ways to start meeting, meeting women and having hookups. But is what I, I later understood is that I was approaching women in ways to want to hook up. And I, you know, before it was like certain ways, it was, it was a trial error, trial error. And it, you know, we can get a little bit graphic here. I actually developed a system where I would start a flirty conversation. And I always thought, what's the quickest, how do I get the quickest time frame of me talking to a girl to where I could be hooking up with her? And so it was always conversation. It used to start off while I had a beginning, middle stage, talking, getting to know them, closing the deal. It was all things. I kept, how do I narrow that time? How do I narrow that down? And then I realized, well, how do I have a conversation that probably isn't threatening where most guys like hit on girls and it feels like a little, little threatening. And the system that I developed was um, I would start a flirting conversation and then it would lead to, hey, I, I have a fetish 
that I want to share with you. If you might be open to it, if the girl was receptive, I would share it. And basically, and I thought, how can I say something that is non-threatening to the female where she might be intrigued? Again, this was over years of really just holding down this particular approach. And they said, well, yeah, that's a little intriguing. What is it? When you talk about something, Brett, that's taboo, women have the same type. Ooh, this sounds interesting. What is it? And so I would share, well, I have a fetish of masturbating in front of a woman while she sits across the room from me and watches. And I found that most women were open to that. It was non-threatening. You don't have to do anything. And so it would gauge. And that really shortened that window. And ultimately, it ended up where I could be chatting with somebody, meet them on a dating site or something. And then with within an hour, I'm at their place. And ultimately, when you're there sitting masturbating in front of the women, most of the time it turns into sexual interaction. Like, hey, do you want to join or something? So it was, I mean, it was weird and it wasn't, it was just a, a process of to, to be able to to fit this this feeling and, and, and satiate this feeling of what I wanted. And then I realized is what I was doing is if someone did not like my approach, they were turning down my approach and not me. So it became a way to to hide from vulnerability of who I really was. And so if I approached someone on a sexual, they turned me down. Well, they didn't like my approach. And I ultimately also in the same world, if they didn't have a, you know, their, their confidence was probably low, like mine was, and just looking for a, some sort of a connection, thinking sexual was maybe it. And so to her point about how it treats and creates the view of women or, or, or men's view on women was it became a very transactional way of viewing women. I don't think... It, Ever, I degraded, I appreciated women, but it was always a world of transactional. If I do this, what am I going to get from you? Vice versa. It was always that. I really had no concept of understanding intimacy and sharing and connection on, on, on such an amazing level, which what I have now. And so you start viewing <clears throat> other people in such a way that becomes just very sexual. So I was hypersexualized because that's how I, that's how my attraction was to women. And the other thing that it does, that porn does when it plays with your own self-confidence is it, it, it makes you extremely, in, you know, unconfident um, because you're only seeing life through one little certain filter that porn typically does not allow you to live up with. And it was amazing because I would watch all kinds of porn and, you know, porn takes many different roads and fetishes, which I never judge my guys on, you know, no matter how despicable they might think it is. But I found myself creating real live, you know, porn situations where I'm showing up in, uh, uh, in, in masturbating for a group of 10 women or I'm around a pool of, of, of women sunbathing naked and I'm jerking off for all of them or or having, you know, group sex is all these weird things that you see in movies. And somehow I made that happen and it was very easy. But where I learned where it all came down to connection, where, you know, sex without connection with someone is just basically like if you're having sex, it's basically masturbation with a vagina. There's still no connection. And that's what I learned. Porn was actually the basis of what led to my sex addiction. And that's when I wanted to root that out. And in and of itself, that's what porn does in early age. It creates a disconnect in all areas of our life where everything just becomes transactional 
Therefore, we're always trying and to get more, to feel more. Say, if I do this, I'll feel a connection. I'll feel more. I'll have something. But, but it was just always numb. It was always unfulfilling. Even at the end, it's like, why did I do that? Why did I just spend half a day trying to hook up with four different women? And in the end, nothing to show for it. I'm still depressed. And psychologically in the brain, chemically, it wears your brain out. It has so many other side effects physically, such as adrenal fatigue, thyroid issues. There's so many things that this can lead to in your life. And again, casual porn user led to a heavy sex addiction, but porn was the root of it. And so that is very true. When I stopped porn, that's what I focused on was connection. And where I've narrowed it down to is connection in, in four areas. That is understanding and getting connection with yourself, other people, the earth, and the universe. And when you say universe, that's spiritual, could be religion, whatever you might be. I'm not religious at all. When, as you mentioned, Brett, I don't have a religious bone in my body, but I found spirituality about five or six years ago and realized that's where all of this comes together. And when we talk about isolation and all these type of things is on a spiritual level, we are all connected. I am you, you am I, I am the tree, I am the sky. We're all, we're all connected when you can really connect with that. And the purpose of what so many people are attempting to do, how you can be controlled and lose your self-confidence is you lose that connection and you think that you are just an individual. Being just an individual is a good thing. It creates motivation. You accomplish things and allows you to be a vehicle for purpose. But underlying all of it, when you get connected, that becomes the driving force in your life to fulfill purpose. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, there's a, there's a lot that you just said there. Uh, one one is that you know um, the interaction with women became very transactional, and and that it was my act, not me, that was being rejected. It was my approach, not me. That is exactly the same way that they teach salesmen how to sell their product. If you didn't sell it properly, it was not a rejection of you. It's a rejection of your approach. So it's, it's, it's very interesting that it is really very much the same way that they teach salesmen how to sell. Um, you, in this case, were selling yourself, essentially, to, to the yeah. women. And by not. Well, I think that's rejected, probably why I ended up in a career of sales. Right? Sorry to cut you off, but I ended up in a career yeah. of sales and I was successful because, because it was very much the same. But underneath it all, it was a giant mask and wall that so many people put up in their life for me to avoid being vulnerable and really being seen for who I am because that, you know, the imposter syndrome is the name that they'll come up with. But if somebody sees me for who I really am, they're going to think I'm a fraud or I'm not worthy or, or self-loathsome and all those type of things to where I created this image of what I thought I wanted the world to see. but. It, and it was reinforced. The thing is, is whenever I got to the point where maybe I found a girl that I liked and maybe wanted to share a little bit about me or have them get to know me, I was shut down, put in the friend zone, whatever it might be. And then the, the nasty thing that came out of that is I started being rewarded by showing indifference to women rather than the, 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 the ass kisser that I was in high school and college. It was just rather to avoid the pain of being shut down. I would just become indifferent. Great, you're not interested. I'm not interested. And all of a sudden, women were starting to getting attracted to me. Like, oh, what's this guy got going on? If he's not interested in me, and so it found me becoming 
they found women who maybe had self-esteem issues becoming attracted to me. And in turn, um, I would meet them and have my lack of self-esteem. We started hooking up in sexual relationships, but it was all a mask to hide away from vulnerability. It's, it's when I came out and, and this was the amazing part where, um, how I really broke free from all of this. When, when my friend first said, consider the porn addiction, I was in a relationship. It was a long distance relationship where I met this girl. It was actually on a holiday break, a Christmas break. I was living in Arizona at the time. She was in San Diego. I met her on a Christmas break. And it was for a hookup. You know, she and I hooked up for four or five straight days, amazing sex. The other thing I'll back up is it also developed in my life where I could have sex, keep an erection for a long time. I was never able to orgasm, never able to orgasm from sex. And let, the only way I could do it is if I finished and then roll over and jerked off. So that was the other side effect. It turned into sexual dysfunction later. But with this relationship, I started becoming numb, sexual dysfunction inside of this, inside of the relationship. And we ended up breaking up. She ended up thinking I was cheating on her uh, because I'd stopped wanting to have sex, all these certain things. But the pressure was so thick that um, it just was turned into massive sexual dysfunction. So we broke up and I was part of a men's group in Arizona where we had maybe, there's probably 50 guys. We were really close, workout partners and everything. We'd meet once a month. And I sent an email out to the entire group of guys. And on the surface, my breakup with this girl, everybody got to know her, even though it was long distance. She came into town quite a bit. They got to know her. We just said it was long distance, the reason why we broke up. That's what on the surface everybody thought. But when I shared an email, I said, we actually broke up because I started having sexual dysfunction inside the relationship. It became very depressed. Um, I didn't know what else to do. And um, it's from my understanding, I think porn is the deep cause of this problem. It was a very vulnerable email that I sent out to my friends. I sent it in a stance of not, hopefully it wasn't being a victim. It was like, here's what's going on. I was rewarded so well from that email where every out of the 50 guys, probably two thirds of them emailed back. Oh my God. I can't believe you shared that. I've never felt more connected to you. In fact, I've experienced certain things in my own life that are similar. I thought I was the only one. I didn't know that this happening to other people. So that was the first time that I was really rewarded by sharing with vulnerability and really finding strength and vulnerability. And that was kind of the path that I started going down there. How can I start getting rewarded? So before, when I have feelings of, of despair, anxiety, I'm like, let me test this hypothesis. Can I be rewarded and feel empowered by sharing, sharing vulnerability? And it kept getting rewarded, kept getting rewarded. So my brain started changing that, that compulsion disorder behavior to an empowered behavior of sharing and connecting and authenticity. And realizing that that's where connection lives and to rid yourself of porn or any other addiction, you have to focus on connection in those four areas. And that's where my, my life. I have to forward. I want to what what mental changes and physical changes uh, happened to your body and to your mental health when you stopped um, yeah. watching porn and, and and doing drugs and everything. Yeah, it, th that's a good point. So let's let's touch upon that because you mentioned them in my bio. Um, you know, I, I quit porn and it was the decision on March twenty uh, March twenty first, two thousand seventeen. 
where that was a day where I actually realized porn is never going to allow me the future that I want and deserve. Once I made that powerful link, any short-term gratification that immediately popped up, I immediately linked to that, that I'm tired of this numbness. I'll never have a relationship. I'm willing to hold on for the long-term gratification by not doing that and making that association. And so short-term, it, it did get a little worse before it got better. And that's kind of the panacea that a lot of people talk about in the world of it's called no fap is the, is the big term. No PM, no fap means no masturbation. No PMO is uh, no porn masturbation, orgasm, different things, semen retention. There's all different variants of what people practice. And it got worse in the beginning because my brain started getting stronger urges. I started getting more depressed in certain areas, following up like a few months after I stopped. But the things that I did notice were little flickers of, of clarity. The brain fog started lifting away. It started falling away. And so that was just enough to say, I think this is working. And so I'll fast forward to about eight months. I hadn't had sex. I stopped porn, masturbation, sex all on that day after having it frequently, weekly, daily, whatever it was, and to stop cold turkey. I wanted to test the hypothesis because I was a single guy. I'm like, is this really working? Because one thing I thought, I want to cure the erectile dysfunction. And so I started, let me back that up. Back to the question about how you see women. When you escape that sexualization of women out of it and where that's your motivation to hook up, you really start connecting. And people say, well, there's this magical thing about attracting women when you start no fab or you stop masturbation and porn. It's real because when that's not on the table or on the plate, your focus changes when you're when you're talking to a woman or even other human beings, even coworkers or friends. You really start becoming present to the conversations. You start understanding the person. You start building a connection. You start building uh, uh, empathy, apathy, love, compassion. You start feeling. You actually start feeling for another person. And so people pick up on that. And that's where that attraction started picking up. I started noticing other people being attracted to me. Uh, and the other aspect was, was I so blind before and I just dismissed any sort of attraction that somebody had? It's possible. But I was finally tuning into real connection. So that was a little piece of it. But it was about eight months later. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, am I, am I cured? Do I still have erectile dysfunction? So I did connect with a, a, a former hookup. I reached out to her. We hooked up. And this was eight months later. We started having sex. And I did not orgasm that time, but within a couple minutes, I got real close. It was like, holy, holy shit, I, I almost orgasmed from tech, sex, and I hadn't for years. And so even that was just enough to say, it's working. And so I went another four months. So it was close to a year without sex, and I, I tested it again. I met for a hookup. And again, I, I don't advocate my process or whatever the process works for you. That's the only way I could test. It was in that hookup. I actually orgasmed within a couple minutes and I was doing a happy dance. I was like, I was elated. Like this is the first time in my life I really orgasmed like that. And maybe to her, she's like, is that it? Like, hell yeah, that was it. So I was happy. She was like, okay, you know, you know, you know, couple minute pump chump guy. But I was happy. So I knew the process was working. So I knew the changes were going on. But I really wanted to understand and, and realize if I, you know, like get behind the science of this. 
and it was um, so that so those are the first points. Then I want to get back to the addiction. It became whack-a-mole. So my brain was missing these type of connections and this dopamine rush and this chemical high that my brain had. Um, I was in a car accident and was prescribed opioids from a sh for a shoulder surgery. I ended up having to do back-to-back -back shoulder surgery, so I got addicted to opioids. It was circumstantial, but I became very addicted, where I became numb, lethargic. I didn't know who I was. I was depressed. Like, oh, my God, now I need this opioid. And it was at that point in time I realized, okay, this isn't a positive path. So I worked with my doctor. I couldn't cut opioids cold turkey. When I did, I almost ended up in the ER. And so I had to do a weaning process. And that scared me because my doctor said this could take three or four months. And, and the depression was really high. I'm like, I don't know if I can go three or four months with this depression. So, but I, again, I trusted the process and I went through it. I got off the opioids. And then circumstantially at the time, um, backing up, I was, I was excelling in other areas. I was working on a TV show. I was producer, co-director of a show here in Colorado. Uh, we produced a documentary short film. I was also working doing sales. Needless to say, I was burning the candle at both ends. And I was, ha I was having no sleep or anything. And then someone said, hey, why don't you try some blow? Nah, that's not for me. I'm not going to try it. A week later, zero sleep. I need to do something. I said, hey, what do you think? Score me a bump. Took a bump. Wow. Like cocaine. That, they were, the, the first line of cocaine was always the best. That's what they'll always say. And so I got addicted to cocaine for close to eight months to a year, and I started chasing that high. But again, I had never been addicted to anything, alcohol or anything, but now I find myself addiction, addicted to real drugs. And so this is whack-a-mole. This is getting worse. And that's when I realized I got to get to the behind all of this. What is it? And it, it got to the point where I was living a, a life for other people. I was working for other people doing sort of things. But I realized I went back to how did I stop porn and let me focus on that. And I re-engineered it and realized it really had to do with connection, authenticity, self-empowerment, and, and really putting all the pieces together that there's a real system here. And I found purpose. And one of the documentary films that I, that I worked on was um, uh, about a woman. She was Miss America in 1958. And she was a very promising uh, actress, spokesmodel, motivational speaker. Her name was Marilyn Vanderberg. Uh, and her story was, again, Ms. America. But it, when she turned 40 years old, her father passed away. And it had come out that he had been molesting her from the age of 5 to 18. And so we did a documentary film on her. And her story had been told many times, but we did it from a different standpoint. She's now 85 years old and she's happily married to the love of her life, which was her high school sweetheart. So we told her story around that. But her story was kind of the catalyst to inspire me to let go of everything. And it was actually it was it was New Year's Eve 2019 where I did that. I was very unhappy in my job. I was coming off the addiction to cocaine. I just finished this story. And that's when I realized I have an understanding to get through something that so many people struggle with that are, that are devastating lives. And it was a leap of faith that I said, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to help those men. I get emotional. I talk about it because it's, it's so powerful. Mm. Um, it was that leap of faith when I took that and it was that connection to spirituality because 
it was an overwhelming feeling of, of love and internal support where the universe, I just felt, said, there it is. There it is. You found your purpose. We've got you. We've mm -hmm. got your back. That was the feeling I got from the universe. And I've never looked back since that day. I've never worried about money. I never did anything. I didn't know how I, I was going to do it. I started researching on the internet. Are other people doing this? I found other porn addiction recovery coaches. I hired them. I wanted to see what they were doing. And I even realized then, I feel like they're missing out on something. Because that, 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 that negative self-thought was, well, there's other guys out there doing it. How could I even do it better? And then I realized, because it's my story, people are going to connect with the way I did it. And then I found out I was very best in the world at it. And I also hope to God, the other people that coach this and do this, that they feel that they're very best at the world at it. And so it was that leap of faith and that connection to spirituality that, that let me go that I've got this. And so I, I figured it out at that point in time. I think that's a, a phenomenal story. I think it's, it's the way that um, it's the way that, we overcome many different things in our lives that don't necessarily have to be this addiction or this, this real negative, negative thing. It can be just something else in our life that we're trying to change. And we don't recognize oftentimes how it is affecting our lives. Um, you know, it's really interesting because there's, there's a parallel um, to, I think, how porn can kind of get into the, you know, your fantasy, your, uh, your dream, what life is. And oftentimes if you really look back and this is something I recognized in, in my mother, she's got this fantasy of what it is to be like a Cinderella mm -hmm. or, you know, this is what life is supposed to be. And then when life doesn't live up to that, it becomes really challenging. Um, you start seeking out ways or you start criticizing people or your relationships because your expectation is built on a fantasy. And then it, it becomes a part of your life. And when it becomes a part of your life, your filters and, and your belief systems and things start to change to acknowledge it, recognize it, pursue it. So to break that cycle is 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 a challenge because oftentimes that can be something that goes back very, very far in your life to where you don't even really acknowledge that this was the influence that got me to where I am today and trying to get out of it. And and um, what can start off as, you know, a, a little taboo thing or believing in Cinderella and Snow White can be very, very similar in terms of how it can progress throughout your life. Right. It, it's, re it's really true. And, and when I had, when I dissected it and started putting my program together, I really wanted to get something in a place to really understand, like, how do you get the other side of it? Like, how did I do it? All mine was trial and error, but go back. And how can I be like shorten the process? And it really is a transformation. And so when I teach my guys, it's not so much about stopping porn. It's about having a, a life transformation and in is what happens to so many porn addicts or sex addicts or alcoholics or whatever it is is that this becomes so ingrained as a piece of your identity of who you are and i'll ask men i said 
so what happens if you if you don't stop watching porn what's going to happen to your life and it's i'll be numb to life i'm not going to have relationships i'm going to be depressed so people can rattle off all the things that are going to happen to them if they don't know if they don't stop and so if that's a not a big enough deterrent then what is it there's a bigger fear somewhere else and i asked him well, so what is your bigger what's the biggest fear if you do stop watching porn or alcohol or whatever it might be and they think well i don't have any fears I'll say, sit and think about that. And when we start talking about identity, when you take that away and stop it, you're ripping a huge piece of your identity away and you don't know who you are because you have internalized subconsciously that that's who you are. So yeah. you have to start building a whole new identity. I was built the identity over years of Bill is this guy who could hook up. He had all these great you know, stories. He was fun and amazing. So when I got rid of that, who's Bill going to be? I didn't know. And the other thing that we do, and you hear this so commonly, is when people say, who are you and what is your identity? You start talking about attributes, the way you've lived. And most people say, well, I am the sum of all the experiences that I've had in my past. Very logical to think that and, and very true. But to lift it and to move forward, you need to build an identity based on the, on, on the being that you want to be and who you are rather than the filter of the past, the way life has showed up for you. So rather than the experience you've had in the past, you get to create the new being based on that opens your filter up of, of what you want to create in the world. And now your mind starts thinking in so many different ways. And that's where authenticity really comes out. And you have to start doing things and, and you put yourself out there. I always say strength and vulnerability is such an amazing place to be find people in your life that will encourage that there there's ways to start testing that and, and, and enter the world of that and be rewarded by it because when you get that late that that space of vulnerability nothing can touch you I, the trolls people can condemn you that i mean the stuff i get on on youtube and instagram is oh you're just a, a, a sissy pussy motherfucker who fucks with his clothes on with the lights on or lights off and you know under bed under the sheets you know i get called all kinds of stuff and but I don't let it shake me because I, I know who I am now. I know my purpose, my being. And my thought is, is I'll sit and listen to you because normally when somebody attacks me, I've realized it has nothing to do with me. It's a whole lot of stuff going on in their world. And so they feel the need to attack. I've said something that's touched a nerve with them. Ultimately, rather than attack a, a troll back, I sit, I listen, I comment, I don't get angry, I don't get defensive. And I've had a few people actually reach out to me after trolling me, realizing I'm so sorry, yes, you said something. I apologize. My life is in shambles and I get all these, you know, I, it comes up in so many different ways. So when somebody attacks you, it's never about you ever. And finding the strength in yourself to really hold on to that and hold compassion for somebody when they are attacking you in such a way was very powerful. And, uh, and again, these are all powerful traits that I learned uh, to become triggers to the things that used to trigger me to uh, self-defeat, self-loathing and all those. Yeah, I think um, Brian was really good in kind of what he said here, you know, that porn, drugs, whatever the addiction is, it's it's never the problem because they are inanimate. The problem is your relationship to your addiction and also why you ended up there. Uh, like you said, Bill, it becomes part of your identity. And that is absolutely true. And um, it is, you know, something that we need to, Sorry about that. There's some crap coming through here. Um, 
that I'm trying to block. Yeah, I sometimes um, I do these talks. Spam finds its way in. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it. I think that you know this identity thing is is absolutely critical, and that was kind of what I was getting at when I was talking about multi level marketing and those types of things. Mm -hmm. It's it becomes an identity. That's that's basically what you're doing. Your religion becomes an identity. These types of identities then. Um, are very difficult for you to even question, much less look back and try to find out, you know, is this really me or why is it that I believe it is me? And when you start looking at trying to change that identity and, and if you take that identity out, if you take that addiction out, it creates a vacuum. And unless you consciously choose what you're going to fill that vacuum with, you will fill the vacuum with something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, it. I felt like like my purpose was very deep inside of me. I had to get rid of all the noise. I had to uncover it and, and unpack it, and and really understand that that is the. Um, I, I mean, that's that's the the essence of it. And there's no right or wrong. Did we lose Brett? We so, did. We did. But yeah. I'm still yeah, don't, don't worry. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's, oh, there's there's no right or wrong or one way to live life. I, I really my goal is to coach men and people is to find a way to live. When somebody asked earlier, it's hard to know what the truth is. There, there, there is no real reality except the reality in our head. And we exist in a million different realities in other people's heads. So we're not the same person in the in the thousand people that know us. We're just a, a, a figment of imagination or own reality that they've created of us in their head. And so create a reality of your own that leaves you empowered and powerful and, and authentic. And there's no right or wrong in that because you have, it's one life. You get to choose, you get to choose the meaning that's in your life. That was a powerful distinction that I made in my life is understanding meaning. We so often our brain will subconsciously associate meaning to things and usually negative, but when you understand, um, and it was through a landmark organization where I learned this, where on, on the surface it sounds bleak, where they say life is empty and meaningless. Well, God, that sounds horrible. But when you really harness what that means, if life is empty and meaningless, we are the creator of our, creator of our own reality. Therefore, we're creator of the whole world that we live in, that we get to associate meaning to anything that happens to us. So if something happens to you, start training your brain to associate an empowered, powerful meaning to whatever it is. And a great example of this, I could be standing on a, on a subway, not like I have subways in Denver, but someone could come right across and hit me in the face. And made, immediate meaning is, oh, I'm horrible, I'm ugly, this guy doesn't like me, there's something wrong with me, and I'll give you another allergy that's there. Or, hey, this has nothing to do with me. How can I be empowered? Something's going on with this person. Now, now the, the where in my program where I talk about association of meaning is the analogy that I came up with and an ocean. All right. Two inanimate objects, things that exist in the world are always going to exist next to each other. But if you have this cliff and you have an ocean and the ocean is always beating on the cliff and start creating meaning around this and the ocean is beating and the cliff says, God, this ocean just beats me on me all day long. I can't stop it. I'm never going to get around it. It takes a piece away from me every time it butts up against me. I'm falling apart. Very negative meaning and association. 
And the ocean is, I'm a mighty ocean. I can beat on this cliff. I can flood areas. I can provide life to all these, these, these uh, uh, animals that live it within me. So it's a very positive meaning that the, the ocean create. Well, all of a sudden you could flip that around. All right. The cliff can be, I'm a mighty cliff. I support life with all the people behind me. I'm stopping the oceans from flooding and coming over and taking over. Very powerful meaning that you can do. And conversely, the ocean could have a negative meaning that says, I'm just a weak ocean. I can't get around this cliff. I can't get over it. I can't get under it. I can't do anything with it. It stops me every attempt I try to do anything. So not, no way is right or wrong, but which meaning leaves each of those in a powered state? Because in reality, it's just a cliff being a cliff and an ocean being an ocean. There is no meaning. But we as human beings have the power to associate that to everything that happens to us and start training your brain to do that. That's first, exactly I, how I talk to people as well. First, I just want to say um, being vulnerable and telling people about an addiction is not easy. I know this. I was a drug addict. I was a cocaine addict for four and a half years. I know exactly that that is one of the most difficult things is not stopping your addiction, but letting people know that you were addicted and that you had that problem in fear of judgment and what they will say so hats off to you because i know it's difficult to get over addiction as i said i was a cocaine addict for four and a half years and i went through some of the darkest times after i decided to stop using drugs and 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 and, and not going back to that where you go through that dip once you make that decision i think is some of the hardest times that you get after uh, addiction is not turning around and going back to that so i take my hat off to you for that well yes. done well, well done thank you i i commend you for sharing that and i have to say and i encourage everybody share 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 with somebody in your life because it is that thing. I mean, it, when I found my purpose to do this, I never thought, you know, people always say find the things you love to do and make it a career. I mean, that, that can be very motivational for many people. I love the country dance. I love telling stories. I do all that. None of that was pulling me forward enough. I was always pushing forward with motivation rather than being pulled by motivation. And never did I think that my purpose was going to be running around telling, you know, a million people on YouTube that I jerked off to porn most of my life. Never thought that was going to be taught, you know, part of my purpose. But when you realize and you share and you have strength in that, it, it just is what it is. And most people, when they share it, are very rarely negatively judged on that. It's it's always either how can I help you or, or how can I help you get out of this? It's always in your head where that self-judgment comes from. And when you start talking about it, that's where people are drawn to me and drawn to you when you share your stories like, I resonate with that. I wish I could be that strong. I wish I could be that powerful and realize it's the Wizard of Oz. You've got the ruby red slippers with you right now. You're wearing them. You have it. It's there. It's nothing to achieve or gain or go find. It's right there inside of you. You just have to harness it and have that faith that when you share um, and it's scary because you can get attacked. You can you, you people will attack you because of those things. They're going to call you bad names or you're worthless. But realizing that's about them and not you. So you have to build it incrementally, that 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 base of foundation of authenticity of your being, of who you are. Um, and then you just become unshakable. Exactly. Well, I know we're getting close to the end of the show here, so I want to be able to make sure that people know how to connect with you. I'm going to put a couple of uh, uh, Bill's websites out there 
Okay, I've got a question while you do that. Can I ask my question while you do that? Yeah. Yes, yes, because I think that will go nicely with my question. Um, you've got the seven disciplines. Is that almost the same as the 12 steps when somebody's an alcoholic? And can you explain a, a little bit more? Yeah, there, there, there's. it's very similar, and it kind of goes to the process. It's funny because I don't really listen to self-help books. I don't watch motivational videos anymore. It's very interesting. People say, do you watch, you know, Benet Brown or do you watch these? You say so much of the same similar stuff, and it's like, I found my connection, so I just live authentically by who I am. And you know, my my seven steps are, are start off on the scientific side of really understanding the science behind it, understanding um, um, uh, uh, meaning, and then it uh, uh, transfers through um, uh, connection and then a vulnerability and finding purpose. And so that's kind of a quick overview. But you have to understand the science behind it, and then you have to start moving forward. And as Brett said, is when you pull that piece of identity out of you my program really develops how do you start coping in those spaces of life where you feel small and, and don't feel successful or whatever it might be and creating powerful systems and topics and ways of having conversation to make tough conversations just conversation um, creating resentments addressing issues in your life and getting them behind you and just addressing things and not letting stuff build up beside you as resentment and, and making strong agreements and connections with people, having understandings with people, setting boundaries, all these type of things keep you an empowered being that don't let any of this negativity slip back in because you're just now a, a present being. And a lot of that is becoming moving to a present way of living because the space of wanting is a very dangerous space to be. And so many people live in that space and guilty of it of wanting something 50 years from now, 10 years from now, or even five minutes from now. And that moment of wanting, although it can create motivation, it can give you and put you in a mental state of being of not being good enough or having enough. So there's a fine line there. And make sure that you're living in a present state of being where you feel full abundance, but now your future is moving forward of just creating possibilities and fulfilling possibilities. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I, I this, this, uh, this hour has gone by very quickly. It has. Um, and it has. really appreciate you sharing. I think that the way that you presented this is in an extremely positive way, as you mentioned even the vulnerability and, and we do get emotional when we do have those, those vulnerabilities. And that, that's, you know, uh, indicative of, of the fact that we're really, you know, coming from our heart as opposed to coming from our brain. And, and oftentimes the reasons that we can't overcome things is because we are thinking from our brain as opposed to feeling from our heart. Mm -hmm. And when you can get to that, where you feel from your heart, you are vulnerable, you're vulnerable to yourself. And I think you've shared that with us and you shared it in a way that's extremely positive and very, very um, non-sexually contact. Yes. I talk about that. it so often that it's not even a thing. And I realize that how taboo it could be for people at times. Um, mm. A couple things before we go, because I didn't even get to mention my amazing fiance. You can go to my YouTube channel, find videos where I'll talk about her. She's absolutely an amazing spirit being. She's, she's younger than I am, but is on a soul level, we connect. 
And I never would have been able to find that. In fact, she and I had met five years previous when we were both in different spaces of our life and world when I was coming out of this addiction and we didn't connect then. We reconnected a year and a half later after I'd gone through my journey and found out that this, this is an amazing person that's what I want to spend my life with. So that that's one amazing, one amazing piece. And the one thing I want to share is because people say, how do I start? Like, where do I start? Like, what's one thing I can do today? And I always, and you know, you go to any podcast, I'm going to end it with this way is the exercises you can work with, with sounds, it sounds um, uh, cliche, but start working and understanding the true power of gratitude. Not just the things that you're thankful for in your life. I talk about that. I've got a video about that. That's going to start building that level of empowerment and abundance. But where you want to hone in and focus is two areas. One, how do you receive gratitude and thanks in your life? And how are other people in your life receiving it when you give it to them? Start surrounding yourself and attaching to people who truly authentically receive your gratitude with humbleness and thanks. And start internalizing it. When people give you gratitude and thanks or compliments, do not brush it away. Own it. Take it. Take that self-worth because when you diminish that, and you shun it away, you're diminishing your own self-worth, and you're also robbing somebody else the gift of giving that to you, that gratitude. So those are good ways to start building that foundations of vulnerability. It's starting one with gratitude. You'll start learning real quick who is receptive to it, who isn't, and start owning it yourself. That's building strength and vulnerability. I just, yeah. I, I, I'm blown away by the, by this, 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 um, interview and, 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 and just your energy and everything. Thank you so much for joining us. And, 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 and anybody, if you're looking for Bill, he's on YouTube, he's on Facebook, you can find him on, I think you've got a website as well. Uh, yes, yes. billwilderman.org. Yeah. And I think everything's listed below. Search YouTube for my name, mm. Google my name best way to find me. I've got ways where you can set up free appointments. If you want to chat with me, you kind of have to dig a little bit. I don't just give that away, but if you search a little bit, you can find it. Um, thank you both so much. Uh, you know, my heart goes out to Brandon, um, you know, best vibes for him and what's going on there. Uh, I love what you guys are doing. I, I'm so thankful that you, you accepted my opportunity or my, my ask to, to come on this. You guys did not reach out to me. Um, I reached out to you. So I want everybody oh, to know that, um, that you guys are fantastic. So, uh, Thank you so much for letting me be a part of this experience. Thank you for being part of this experience. I think this is a very good topic because I don't think a lot of people think that you can get addicted to to, to porn and the effects that it has on your relationships um, with, 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 with everybody. Um, and, and, and not just that, I think a lot of, of, of marriages and that as you saw the comments there, um, a lot of women have that in their relationships and they don't even know how to deal with that. Um, so I think there's a quite a bit of women that would also start reaching out yeah. to you if they I, get the message. I have everything. wives and girlfriends reach out to me all the time. That could be another show even on how to deal with that because it's very awesome. I was, I, I was just thinking of that because that is, that has affected my relationship and my, my, my 12 year marriage was affected by by porn as well and we didn't even get into a chance to talk about those things but how we end off the show is um we always give our our our, our viewers like a snippet of of of, of um information or, or something nice to get them during the day because i'm in south africa so i'm going to sleep but all the guys they are only waking up now um so i'll go first and then brett goes and, uh, um, and then you will end off the show and then you can just give 
some advice to, to, to someone out there that needs to hear some good advice. And thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. What, thank you very much. Awesome, guys. So before the show, as I told you before, I go and I ask for the universe for a, 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 a message for everybody. And it usually finds me just before the show. And I have this little book on my on my desk and I open to a page and it says, when you find your purpose, it's like your heart has been set alight with passion. You know it absolutely without any doubt. There's no limit to how you can increase your frequency because there's no limit to the good thoughts that you can think or the good words that you can speak or the acts of kindness that you can perform. Besides transforming your own life through lifting your frequency, you will lift others too. The positive frequency of your energy emanates out to the out like a ripple from a stone thrown into the water, touching our planet and every living thing on it. As you rise higher, you take the world with you. Please just stay amazing. Join us tomorrow again. Like, share, post. There's a lot of people that I think can use this message. And thank you for joining us again. Love you lots. Be safe. Oh, thanks, everybody. I think the show from beginning to end today has been pretty amazing. I think that, uh, you know, we addressed a lot of subjects that are are things that are touchy, literally and figuratively, if you want to look at it that way for, from a per, you know personal perspective, when we're talking about religions, when we're talking about what's going on in the world today, um, when we're talking about porn and how those types of addictions can um, affect our life. And oftentimes, in fact, um, I would say all the time, it really does come down to what we have, what we believe is our identity, even though we may have not chosen it at consciously. And it is our ability. And this is the great thing about being who we are, is that we have the ability to consciously choose, but you have to be open to be vulnerable and to enter into scary, ter scary territory within here, because oftentimes here is disconnected from here. So take that opportunity, you know, be in a safe place when you do it. Um, be around people if you want to that, that are, you know, give you that comfort, but start to really question and, and recognize, you know, what is truly your identity, your thoughts and your beliefs versus those that have been given to you throughout your life and how they've led you to where you are today. Because again, oftentimes the path of life is not necessarily the one that we've consciously chosen. It's the one that we followed because others have told us this is the way to go. So thank you very much, everybody. I think the show has been phenomenal. And now I'll turn it over to Bill. Uh, there we go. All right. Thank you again, everybody. The one thing I want to top on top of what, what both of you just said is when you're looking at yourself and again, you don't know where to start or you're feeling those moments of despair or whatever it is. And, and you feel like life is over or whatever it might be. Do not compare yourself to anybody else in the world. It's very cliche, but just know, take the first steps moving forward. You, you are worth it. 
there's so much negativity in the world. The, the world does not need another victim. It doesn't need somebody else depressed. It doesn't need somebody else that's angry. It needs one more person, you, to take a stand for you and other people in the world to be loving, to be compassionate, um, to be a guiding light. And you are worth it and you have it in you. It's not just for other people. It, it is you and it's in you. It's in all of us. Awesome. I, I, sorry, Brett. I just before you go, how did you hear about the light? Brian asked, and it's actually a very interesting question, seeing that you approached us. Um, it was, and I can't remember. It, it's um, and if you guys remember, it's match. It, it's a podcast website um, where where it matches podcasters to guests and vice versa. Uh, oh wow! Uh, and I wish I could remember the name of it online. Maybe you could put it in the in the in the link below when you guys find it. Um, there's a couple of them that, that I'm on. So that's, that's what it is. I'm constantly reaching out to where people, uh, where the story can be shared. We appreciate oh, you. Yes, for absolutely. Out. Thank you so right. much. Thank, Thank you everybody, everybody for Thank being a part of the show today. Uh, we really appreciate your contribution in terms of your comments and everything. And we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. And Bill, if you want to hang out for a few minutes after the show, we'll, we'll still be here. Sure. So everybody have a great day. Bye, guys.